Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And this was a really fun episode for me with one of my all-time closest friends, training partners, and just all-around good man, Matthias Hecht. Uh, in this episode, we, we talk about his work as a sports director at, at Campus Circe, which everybody should go check out, um, but also his time as an athlete and some of the the big moments in his career and, and at the Kona Ironman World Championships and winning the St. George Ironman and, and just having such a successful, consistent career as a professional triathlete and an Ironman athlete. Um, and, and Matthias talks about a lot of how his learnings from sport really did wonders for his career in business. Um, and, and it was just absolutely a fantastic episode. So many quotable quotes in this one. I think you'll be truly inspired by the way that Matthias has taken control of his life and the direction he's going. Um, listen to the end here for what he's doing next. Uh, absolutely some fantastic work, um, particularly in an area called InHub, which is a peak performance center for On, uh, which is one of the big Swiss brands that uh, he's going to be doing some work with as well. But just all round fantastic episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And remember, success comes to those who endure. Just one moment longer. All right. Well, today's guest is someone who's not only been an exceptional triathlete in the world, but a very good friend of mine for many years. And I also got the privilege of coaching him for a little while. He's hailing from Switzerland and his journey in the world of triathlon was really quite astonishing. One of those stories of just sheer grit and perseverance and, and some somebody that I just uh, truly admire and respect for the way he just kept going. Um, and I took a lot of inspiration from the way he trained. He retired from the sport and has moved on to become the sports director at Campus Circe, um, a big sporting complex in Switzerland. And I want to sort of spend some time in this episode talking about, yes, his career, but also the transition from being a professional triathlete and, and to get such a significant job out of the sport. Um, we, we lived and trained together in Noosa, Australia and Boulder, Colorado for many years. Um, we watched each other suffer and, and we often punished each other as well away from the racetrack. And uh, just been a really good friend of mine for many, many years. So I'm just really excited to have him join me on the show. So without further ado, welcome to The Greg Bennett Show, Matthias Hecht. How are you, mate? Hi, Greg. Thank you. I'm very good. Great to talk to you. And yeah, I feel privileged to, to be part of your podcast, listening to it since a while. So love it. And yeah, absolutely stoked to be part of it. Oh, mate. It was, it was so funny because I started this year going, God, I've got a few mates that I haven't caught up with for a while. <laughs> and so we, we, I called you last week and it was like, hang on, let's continue this chat. Let's have you on the show and we can record an episode together. Um, and I, I really just need to apologize actually for the fact that I haven't had you on sooner. Um, because I do think your story, like I said in the intro of just the, the perseverance and finding your way in the sport. Um, there's a lot in that. It's kind of the Belinda Granger type story, you know, somebody that just found her niche and, and really went for it. And you were much the same in finding Iron Man and really had such an outstanding career once you sort of found out what you wanted to be doing. But before we dive in, what are you up to? What have you been up to today? 
Well, uh, just a normal day at work, you know. Nowadays, this looks a <laughs> bit different than as a professional athlete, you know. And I've got, yeah. uh, um, you know, um, my sports complex, you know. Is, is, there's always got a lot going on, you know. We've got a lot of swim teams and we've got a swim academy with a lot of uh, young kids uh, learning to swim, which is amazing. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm busy every day, you know, the mm-hmm. complex is running seven days a week, uh, all year round. So yeah, that's, that's how my day looks uh, nowadays, but I also keep fit and now went up at five in the morning and I train in the morning normally. And then at midday a little bit, if I get time between meetings, so <laughs> I still keep fit. Yeah. You've always loved it. You've always loved <laughs> training. Even when you'd come to Boulder and Laura and I are slacking <laughs> off or whatever, you and your wife, Nico, you'd be, you'd be both out there training, doing long rides, studying. You always made me feel like I should be doing something. <laughs> One of those people are like, ah! <laughs> yeah, still love it, mate. Still love it. <laughs> tell, tell us more about um, Campus Circe for people that haven't heard about it. It's uh, in the middle of Switzerland. It's one of Switzerland's biggest... Uh, sporting complexes, right? Yeah, we opened up the sports complex um, more or less exactly five years ago. But um, the sports complex is just one part of the whole campus. You can imagine it a little bit like a um, yeah, very similar to a university campus in the US. You know, the ones um, we know, and uh, so it's a uh, hundred fifty thousand square meters. Um, you know, um, big so. Not wow. small at all, and uh, it's like a little a little town almost by itself, you know. And mm-hmm. just to understand Campus Surzi a little bit more, you know, it's um, firstly Campus Surzi is the largest education center in the cons- construction industry in Switzerland. You know, that's our mm-hmm. main business. That's the the origin of of the campus, you know. And then with the years, you know, I mean, the campus is fifty years old, so quite a few oh, years wow so yeah so not many people of course not even people in switzerland um, you know sometimes know that and then you know like 20 years ago they opened it more up more for public they turned it into well part of it a, a new uh, business segment was the the hotel with the entire seminar sector you know we've got nowadays we've got 550 hotel rooms we've got five restaurants we've got over 60 seminar rooms like meeting rooms smaller ones but then also we've got two event halls one for 500 people and one for 1000 people and so this was all here, you know, and then the last part of it, you know, that that was the sports sector, which we built up, which was my job from the beginning to build it up, you know, in the first three years before we actually opened up the complex. It's a 70 million, you know, I think approximately, yeah, approximately 70 million US dollar sports complex. Um, that was the investment, you know, in it. And it's the smallest unit of the three we have here, you know, but, you know, it consists uh, aquatic center, the biggest, well, one of the biggest one, Lausanne, the, the Olympic um, town or city, we call it, you know, in Switzerland, um, has a new one as well. But um, we've got a 50 meter Olympic pool, a semi-Olympic pool, two smaller pools, a big sports hall for all the indoor sports, you know, then a gym, Pilates studio, uh, spa, you know, a recovery lab, physiotherapy, sports massage, mental coaching, nutritionists we have, you know, so it's, yeah, it's a big wow. complex uh, with a lot of sports competence in it, you know. Can you, can anybody, like if you're listening in Australia or the US or Britain or whatever, can, 
could I book a trip there and say, hey, I want to do a training camp there or is it just for big teams? No, it's for everybody really. You know, we've got a yeah. lot of private triathlon coaches and there seems to be more and more of them. Yeah. And they come they come here and, and have their private camps. You know, we've got our own camps as well. I've got a, a former Olympic swimmer, uh, Carla in my team. She runs uh, swim camps. And oh. now I started working with flu boss, uh, Bilek. He's a former coach of uh, Sebastian Keenley, you know, when he... Um, mm-hmm was the world champion so it's a kind of a big name in long distance in in europe for sure and so we've got camps with him but then you know our main main customers are mostly swimming you know we've got big swim meets as well because we've got the um, how do you say spectator um, st- uh, chairs for one and a half thousand people and so it's not a big stadium, but it's big enough to have, you know, uh, yeah. national swim meets, uh, Swiss national champs. We had several times before and maybe a lot of trials remember. Um, and I'm something I'm really, really proud of to to get uh, the Super League arena against yes. you last year, which was <laughs> quite amazing and probably was the that, highlight. Was that you just calling up Chris McCormack and, <laughs> and saying, hey, by the way, I want one of your races here? Or was it oh, yeah, Fine. more or less, you know, I, I knew the people a little bit. And so yeah. I, it, I, I knew, you know, there's one, I think it was, was it um, Munich, I, I think, was pulling out because they had to close their pool or something like that. Oh, okay. And I thought this is going to be my chance, you know, because there's all these Olympic stadiums and, and they yeah. host everything. I'm like, this is going to sound pretty cool. We've got London, Singapore, Montreal and Sursi. You know, nobody knows <laughs> where Sursi even is, you know. And, and so it was, yeah, it was a great story and just amazing, you know, the whole setup of the pool. And, you know, talking to the athletes, it was actually really cool to hear that they enjoyed that one the most because uh, with my with the arena here you know people are really close like the spectators are really close to the mm-hmm. atlas right like the spectator um, chairs go right to the the pool floor which mm-hmm. is very different to an olympic stadium where you know normally they sit high up um, yes. like two meters above or something you know and 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 they can't really hear the spectators or there must be a lot of spectators to, to make noise and here it was all on, in such a small place and and we had this movable floor we moved up so we we had a different setup you know because we used more space for everything so we we built everything up on the water actually and so the treadmills and and the um the trainers you know they were yeah actually on the water which was pretty cool but yeah so yeah this was a highlight for sure yeah and did you put all the athletes up in the hotel on at campus yeah Yeah. Yeah. they're all here and you know it was just great to see like sport at this level you know macker if you're listening mate or whoever at super league it sounds like this should be an annual an annual (laughs) event um as long as there's some profit in it for campus Cersei, i guess <laughs> um but mate yeah i remember watching that and thinking of you going oh that's really cool it's just nice to see um old networks coming back together if you know what i mean you know oh, people that, 100% you know yeah, yeah. it's a lot about networking in general you know in the sports yeah. industry you know i get you know then we've got the national um training center here for the triathlon federation uh since a bit more than two years now so there are a few of the athletes are based here they've got a coach here uh, on a daily basis and 
this of course was almost my goal. I said, this is my pass. You know, I want to have the national training facility here in Surgery uh, at this facility, you know, and because I know it's the perfect area to train and it's a, a great pool. So, um, yeah, we made that happen and yeah, that was pretty cool. And, you know, like that, I'm still around all the young trial. It makes me feel older. That's for sure. <laughs> seeing all these junior athletes and on a daily basis, uh, but it's somehow it's funny because it, it always makes you remember the times, you know, when we were like 18 years old and went to the junior worlds and all that. And now I see all these kids and yeah. It's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, mate, congrats on all that. I want to come back to campus, Cersei, and, and your involvement. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, congrats on getting, well, Super League and then obviously the National Training Center there. Um, very cool. But what I want to do is just what I love to do in this show, and I know you've listened to a few of the episodes, but I want to rewind the clock and get to know you and, and how you sort of – tell me about how you sort of found the world of sport um, and specifically triathlon. When did that sort of passion all start? I think very early, you know, I I was always very, I don't know how you say, versatile and I did all different kind of sports uh, from uh, soccer, like everybody who grows up in Switzerland, uh, you know, as a boy plays uh, soccer or football, we call it here first and I played volleyball, tennis, uh, even tournaments and I did a few snowboard races and but mostly i was in athletics you know i did the 3000 meter was my thing you know hard what to believe you, what hard time to, did you what time did you do the 3k in can you remember? i don't even remember close to nine <laughs> minutes i think at that age but yeah, nine minutes was always the number to crack yeah exactly yeah, yeah was yeah. it you know and yeah. you know it's funny because it, it actually turned into a weakness of mine later but it was actually where i came from and i i from what i remember i didn't do too bad but <laughs> So anyway, yeah, that's that's how I started, and <laughs> yeah, and so you found the world of triathlon that way through track, you know, swimming. Yeah, track and field. Yeah, because we had we were on a training camp once, and I was only twelve years old then, and then you know one of the the guy who was running the camp he did just a fun triathlon i mean this was 1992 so i don't know there was probably still mark allen and and hell regal time and so we did a, a little triathlon in that camp and i i actually did really good for a 12 year old and yeah i, I loved it and you know if you're think you're good in something or you compare yourself with others and they see you actually doing well you get more interested and yeah, everything just started from there. And with 17, I, I made the national team and in the junior national team and raced, yeah, the, the world champs 1998 in Lausanne at home, which was a quite really cool race, you know? So that was kind of my first big international race. I love, I love that. So when did you actually then realize you know, you, you obviously pretty talented in early teens, you know, to be 12 and finding the sport. Gosh, that's young, actually. I think you're probably the the youngest person outside of Alistair Brownlee that I've heard start the world of you know, triathlon. Maybe Nicola as well, I think. Nicola and maybe Rudy Wild as well. The oh, other really? Okay, okay. Yeah. So the ones that went through with you yeah. in that really <laughs> early stage. Because I... I kind of think I found the sport around 14, 15, you know, that was in the mid to late 80s. Yes, I'm aging myself. But, and then did you realize, you know, did you actually think, oh, maybe I've got some talent in this? Was there, what moment did you go, oh, actually, I go okay? 
Was there one time or was it over time it happened? Yeah, I think, you know, we had this really good Swiss Siri at that time. It was called, you might, you might remember, you know, the, the Credit Swiss Siri. Yeah, yeah. And I, I raced Olivia Bernhard in that. Yeah, series. all, I mean, it used to be such a good Siri with all the Australians racing, you know, and Paul Mackay and, and um, yeah, all these, these Australian guys and Simon Thompson, I think, raced a few times. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and um, I didn't race them at that time because I was still a junior, but, you know, I did well in that series for two or three years. And that was probably the main reason I made the, the national team and got the chance to, to race in, in, in the world champs. But, you know, even in the juniors, I was never, I wouldn't say the, the most talented or the best junior, you know, and mm. it's funny when you look back sometimes out of the junior team from that, that time you know i was probably the only one who ever turned professional you know and were much better and faster athletes at that time than than i was but mm. probably the grid or just you know keep going and fighting through it and and just loving the sport and training helped me a lot i think you know that was probably mm. my biggest strength after all to just love what I do, you know. I, I love having this conversation about sort of that talent ID in those sort of uh, in that youth category, and 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 I see it now with kids of our own, and parents are all pushing their kids, push, push, push into sports and academics, and Laura and I are sitting back going, "What's the race? What are we doing here?" We're kind <laughs> of looking at. It's like you know the drop off is just so massive. I think I read somewhere where it's like seventy percent of. All kids are done with sport at by 13, 14. Yeah. So like, yeah. what? And yeah. then you get to your what you're saying, you know, you make world juniors and 18, 19 and all the very – they've all been pushing so hard for so long that they just – they lose the passion, they, they, they lose the thrill. And almost if you've never been the best, you kind of want to keep searching for it because you've, you haven't had it, right? It's like, well, hang on, I've never got to win a race. I'm going to keep going until I do. Yeah, 100% agree. I think this helped me a lot, you know, because I think I can do better and, you know, I I just, I can train harder, which Mm -hmm. was not always good at the end because, you know, you you can go the wrong way and and probably did at the end of my career, but still it helped me at that time, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and made me go all in as well, you know, and, and, and tried, no, I gave it all and, and risked quite a bit as well, you know, stopped my, my studies for a few years and which mm-hmm. is very unusual for Swiss, you know, they all look at you in a funny way and go, ah, oh, you can't do that, you know, because this yeah. is the, the Swiss, the Swiss way is to get your education first and then go to uni and, yeah. Uh, and and then I kind of threw it all away and I'm like, okay, um, if, if I ever want to have a chance against like people, I think, or at least they're much better than me, I, I have to go all in and, you know, there's, there's nothing in between. And, you know, going to Australia in 2000 after I finished, um, what would that be in the US high school, I guess, around 19. So I finished... Uh, is it high school? I think it high, it's high school, is it? Yeah, yeah. We finished uh, school around 17. So, yeah, I went to Australia then for a year and I came down there. I, I think it was the first time I went there. I went to Canberra and, and Sydney and and trained with, with some really good athletes there and Simon Thompson as well, you know. And Luke McKenzie? I, is that when you met Luke McKenzie? Yeah, Luke and, and yeah. Maka and, yeah, yeah, I trained with them all, you know. And, and the thing is, you know, I saw the Australian mentality in sport and – you know, Australians, they just 
always went 100% in. They didn't, you know, there was never a plan B for them. And I was always impressed by that. I go like, okay, this is the way to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, most Australian, even the ones who came to, to Switzerland the years after, younger athletes sometimes stayed with me, you know, in Switzerland. And it was always interesting or, or you know, great to see. They, they invest everything just to get over to, to Europe to race. Uh, and and not even thinking about how to get a, a flight ticket back, you know, and I just go from race to race and I've seen a few of them and, and not, you know, only a, a few made it at the end, you know, so, but still that mentality, I mean, and, and, you know, I went back to Australia for the next 14 years for every winter and I just love to train there because of the mentality mm. and that definitely helped me a lot. I love that all in mental. I had um, Simon Lessing on the show. I don't know if you listened to that one a few months back and, you know, he had that yeah, mentality. Actually I did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, getting out of yeah. apartheid South Africa and just basically a one-way ticket to Europe and sleeping in his bike bag and everything. I was like, oh, wow, right? I mean, it's like that that kind of... I don't of, think you see that anymore, do you? I'm not sure, but... No, look, I, I can't speak. I'm sure there's some yeah. young young athlete listening yeah. to this right now going, well, that's me. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> sleeping you know at the railway station and racing the next morning and it's uh <laughs> look you do you 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 how did you survive in those early like how did you first sort of get your airfare to australia were you working kind of part-time or coaching or doing something what were you doing to you know because you weren't making much money i don't think you know in 2000 <laughs> no, no not, not, to judge, no. not to judge but i don't you know you no, no 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 definitely not how are you uh, I was really lucky to get a, an early contract with, um, you know, it was called the EWZ team at that time, which was uh, the best paid team in Switzerland. You know, I didn't get a lot of money there, but just enough, you know, to to make it through, you know, to, to stay in Australia. And, you know, um, then I had a little business on the side for a while. We were importing, you know, a friend of mine and I were importing some sports goods and but, you know, never, it was always a fight, really, you know, always, yeah. like always just making it through uh, just by that until I, I turned, uh, I, yeah, I did my first Ironman and actually went into a long distance career, you know, because the short course career was was just a fight all the time and definitely no money for me there, you know. But you were close. I mean, the Swiss coming through, you, you're on track with Olympics you know, 2000, 2004, 2008, were they ever yeah. on your Yeah, 2004, I was actually, you know, in a training camp in uh, on, Cy- on the island of Cyprus, you know, with the yeah. team. And, and at that time, you know, we had guys like uh, Rita Hoog and Oli Marceau, who raced for Switzerland, who, <laughs> and then uh, Sven, who became well, you know, good enough. <laughs> I don't have to tell you. He was yeah, yeah. he was there. He got your third spot. Whatever. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so those three made the team, and there were three spots. And I think there was Rudy uh, Wild and myself. You know, kind of uh, behind them. But that was. There was That's a quite, strong team, though. That's a strong yeah, team. Yeah, quite team. a gap, quite a they, gap. They were very awesome. good. I mean, Rito yeah. was podium at, at World Champs. Olivia was winning yeah. World Champs. Yeah. And, uh, and then Sven, uh, Rita, that was his biggest performance, 2004, yeah. Yeah. To, to take the podium. That was a huge performance for him. Yeah. But, yeah, when did you decide then? Like, I mean, you gave the Olympics a good shot. Was there somebody tap you on the shoulder and said, hey, you know, 
you're good at short, but you might be better at doing the longer races. And how old were you? So the year after, you know, it was 2005. I had an Australian coach uh, at that time. Scott Penny was his name. And yeah. um, he was kind of a, a yeah, Brett Sutton style uh, kind of coach. Great yeah. guy. He yeah. sadly passed away a few years ago. And yeah, so he really um, got me into Ironman racing. Because, and it was it was kind of funny because he... He told me eight weeks before Ironman was Western Australia, I was training in Cairns at that time uh, with his squad, and and we actually planned to do. It was a World Cup in in New Zealand at that time. I don't remember where it was exactly, but it was at the end of the year. So I flew down to Australia to prepare for that one. New Plymouth, and, probably. Yeah. 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 True. Yeah. Yeah. It was that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And 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 then eight weeks before Ironman Western Australia, I, he told. I think we did a, a training race in Port Macquarie, a half a half distance race where I I finished second or third behind Paul Amy, uh, and I had a really good race there. And then he suddenly goes, "Oh, I think you're going to do much much better at long distance. We should change uh, straight away." And he goes, "Okay, we're going to enter. You're going to stay in Australia a little bit longer. We're going to race Ironman Australia at the end of the year." And I was like. Uh, okay, I was 25 years old, and yeah. you know the funny thing is, I uh, Nicole was with me then, and we just came together uh, in that year. And I actually, I, I, I didn't tell her at the beginning because I thought all oh, Ironman athletes, you know, it's kind of crazy to do Ironman, and I, I didn't know how to tell her that I'm going to do an Ironman in a few weeks, you know. And even my parents are like, okay, they, they're going to think I'm crazy doing that. And nowadays, you know, it's just normal doing it at, at that age, but at that time. 25 was still young for doing an Ironman. And I still think it is young. Yeah. How, yeah. how did it go? Did well, you go? I, yeah, I finished third there and I had a, a sprint finish, you know, with an echo Janos. And, oh, yeah. and so we were only 30 seconds apart. We ran the whole marathon more or less together. And the funny thing is I, I did the, the bike course on the road bike with uh, training wheels. I didn't have a time trial bike at that time. And, um, you know, it was, and Echo was a really big name at this time. You know? uh, he'd been second at mm-hmm. Hawaii by then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, one of the greatest guys ever. I think. Oh, yeah. I really yeah. became a really good friend of mine. But yeah, yeah. so we had this this big uh, big fight there, and I thought, okay, if I can race guys like that, guys I could never race, you know, was never competitive enough to to race them in a short distance. Maybe this is my calling, you know. And then it all started from there going to Hawaii the, the year after and yeah that's that's actually how it all started yeah. love it and then when you um when was it so you qualified for Hawaii in 2005 or six was it on that you qualified for Hawaii by doing that race is that your yeah first exactly race? yeah qualified for the year after and yeah. then raced there for the first time in 2006 yeah and how was that experience first time Hawaii Ironman Kona world champs <laughs> not a really good one. I think I, I finished 33rd or something and that's what I did I finished 33rd one time I, I did I didn't even know that and <laughs> I had this really annoying brake you know like I think I was I was riding my bike with a, a brake with brake pads who were uh, touching my, my wheels all the time and we had you know Ronnie Schildknecht and myself we were Ronnie's coming on the show in a week's time. Ah, great. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, like the two of us were a few of the first ones um, who were racing on this really new TT like bike from BMC. I think there was only oh. a few Fanuc like pro cyclists who had it before and it was a prototype and everything. And 
it was just at the very beginning of these TT bikes, you know, and, and it was still a few things were not going that well, you know. Actually, my, my seat post broke once at Ironman Western Australia, getting on uh, like getting on the bike after the swim, you know, and my race was finished. And <laughs> oh, yeah, so <laughs> I know. Well, then, but look, your career, you really found your groove. Then you know, you had so many podiums. You know, every time you raced an Ironman, you were on the podium. Um, you had some success at, at Kona Ironman World Championship with top tens and then fast forwarding and, and we'll go back we'll go backwards and forwards here but i'll never forget your big win in 2011 st george um but that would must have been a hell of a moment for you because you've been doing iron man for five or six years by that point and you've done quite a few of them fast forward to 2011 and, and winning st george and tell me what that moment was like yeah, that's a, that was a really big one for me, uh, exactly for that reason you just said, you know, like trying to win Ironman Switzerland for so many years and and always having Ronnie there, you know, I'm, I mean, I think he won it nine times, I think, and he was just unbeatable. I tried all different tactics to beat him <laughs> at that race and, you know, like crazy tactics and <laughs> uh, and it never really worked out. But uh, And then I went to St. George. He was actually not such a good season till then. He's a, I, st- I did Ironman New Zealand in that year and finished third, and, and which was okay, but I struggled my, with my body already at that time. And then I, I came up to Boulder and uh, stayed at your house, you remember probably. Yes. You know? I stayed there a few times, but that was yeah. uh, uh, actually my preparation and even snowed there once, I think. And, and then, but I think it was the perfect preparation because St. George is a little bit at altitude as well, not as high maybe as Boulder, but a little bit. And it was just a course that suited me really well, you know, because it was the, still the... Uh, the old run course that I don't remember how many like meters of uh, climbing it had in it, but much more, <laughs> yeah, much more than the actual world championship course they had uh, a couple of years ago. And, you know, the, the win was really special because a few months uh, before that race in, in October, the year before, you know, my, my dad passed, passed away and, he was uh, mm-hmm. definitely my, my biggest fan, you know, and, and never pushing me, you know. He was always just doing great and really loved what I did. And, and of course, I, I was going through a rough time, you know, how it is. You, you lose yeah. your, your dad at that age. And, yeah, so winning that race and winning it for him, you know, and I still see the pictures, you know, looking up to this guy. And I think it, I still get goosebumps just thinking about it because – that made it really special, you know, and yeah, one to remember for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I remember just being so stoked for you. And I do remember with your dad passing a few months earlier and, uh, and it really did. It gave us all chills to see you have that. I, I think the, the whole triathlon and Ironman community is a bit of a family, right? It, we all go to hell and back, um, in these events. And I think you know, it's one thing to watch Alistair Brownlee or Jan Fredino or Gomez or whoever <laughs> win all the time, right? And we celebrate that. But boy, there's a we enjoy it just as much, if not more, when the the guy that's been pushing for years, has been a training partner to all these people a lot of the time, finally gets their turn. I think there's a real thrill for everybody to go, hey, this is what this sport's about. It's about grit. It's about determination. It's about turning up and just consistently, you know, it's a bit like when I, I start this show by success coming, 
comes to those who endure just one moment longer, right? It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. that mentality, just keep enduring. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was really cool. The other big highlight, and again, I'm pointing out your highlights. I probably should, probably should let you do it. But for me, these were highlights was in 08 and we'd been working together. Um, you know, I've been helping you a little bit with your training. We've been doing some training together and, and you, um, and I remember flying to Hawaii. I'd raced the lifetime series and, flew to Hawaii the next day to watch you race in Kona. And, uh, and that top 10 in 2008, do you remember that one? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was a special race as well, you know, and, yeah. and like you said, you know, trained by you at that time and, and yeah, you know, you had a big influence on, on, on the success at the end because uh, I went through your hard training, you know, uh, we did a lot, a lot of this long, hard running, you know, uh, in the <laughs> lead out, like crazy long runs and uh, hard runs, you know. <laughs> and, I, think, I think coaches now would look at the work that we did back then and be just going, what in the world were you thinking? thinking <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no it was definitely just to survive it you know but it was my mentality of training anyway so and and just to survive it and and i knew if i survive that kind of training i'm going to be strong it was just a matter of recovering well and so i raced and and i had this you know what i remember the most is uh going down polani road and and i had andy potts uh, right beside of me mm. and so we were racing for seventh place and and i knew andy has really you know he's a tall guy and i knew if we go down Polani, like if i can't get rid of him before polani now this, there's this little slightly uphill before polani you go down polani and i knew i have to get rid of him at, at that stage or i'm going to be <laughs> in massive trouble going downhill with his long legs you know mm. And that's exactly what happened. He got uh, the advantage there and, and finished 30 seconds in front of me. But, you know, at the end, it's top 10, it's top 10. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> looking back, it doesn't really matter. If you're not making the podium, then top 10 is top 10. You know, that's what okay. I think. And yeah, that's, that, that's a good one to remember. And not many Swiss did that um, altogether, like Ronnie, me, Ollie, Mike Gegro. And yeah, then in the old days, uh, Christoph Mauck probably, yeah. As he well. he had fourth or fifth yeah. something, yeah. Fourth, so it's a, good, a few good names to be around in Switzerland, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, I just remember, I mean, like we, we, we can reflect back a little bit on some of the training you did if, for people that are interested. And it was, um, you know, a lot of my training it was all based on the Arthur Lydiard model, you know, which was, wasn't was long, slow distance. It was long so you got to be moving along the ground as easy as possible and we weren't this was not high highly scientific um but we had you doing some incredible miles um you know 40 50k run days right I, I yeah remember. and that's good pace yeah yeah good pace you were always running that kind of close right. to well under, under um under four minute K pace or at least around four minute K yeah, pace. Yeah, around four ish, yeah. 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 You, you're doing a, a marathon a couple of times a week. <laughs> okay, everybody that's yelling at Greg, you're an idiot. But look, it worked somewhat. I yeah, mean, it worked. It, definitely it worked. It's probably a bit of an overkill. Um, yeah, but you know, I think I was the kind of athlete I I had to train a little a bit like that, you know. I mean, looking back, maybe I should have listened to my body a few times in my career a little bit more, and maybe I would have had a longer career. But I always say, you know, even joining Brett Sutton afterwards in around 
211, you know, when I won St. George at that time, I, I said, okay, I'm going to go like I always did in the past, you know, I go all in. I go like, okay, I better, I prefer to have two more good years and win a race or win even a big one maybe. Um, then having 10 more years, like average years and making more podiums. I had enough podiums at that time. I said like, okay, <laughs> if I survive two years with, with Sado, then, uh, yeah, then it's fine. And if I, if I've going to have the results, but yeah. I'm, so. I'm disappointed if you think Sado's training was harder than mine now. Yeah, close. just more intervals. He he liked always the 800, 30 by 800s. And people like, Greg, have you run a marathon? I'm like, well, only in training. And we do the 20 by 2, 40 by 4, 20 by 2, (laughs) 200 float in between. And those kinds of workouts. We always do a lot of intervals with with Brett. But I know. A lot of treadmill as well. And, you know. Yeah, I did yeah. the same week. I think Reed once told me he had the same week as well, and he was a short course guy. But I had the same week because I wasn't. Tra- I was training in Australia before St. George and before I came to Boulder yeah. and all winter. And I was down there. I had just had one week. I had to repeat all that. I think I had a second one, which was more bike focus, but there was a so-called run focus, Matthias week. <laughs> and... You know, it was just the same week. So I repeated it every single week for at least three months. Yeah. And just working my way through it and start all over again on Monday morning, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember with Brett doing, adding up how many 200s I did in a week. And it was like, I did, because we'd always do, you know, 52s or 102s. And I remember I did like 360 200s. And uh, it, it did flatten me in the end. I didn't make the Sydney Olympic team, which we were trying for. So that was back in 99 or whatever. Um, but I remember just going, wow, that's, all, that's a lot of starting and stopping, you know. Yeah, it just made us mentally tough mostly, didn't it, you know? <laughs> it, was, it was mentally <laughs> tough. There's a lot of learnings there. Actually, on that, you know, when you look at your career, your athletic career, you know, Tell me, we've, we've talked about a couple of your highs, but if you've got a couple more, share them with us. And then some of the lowest points for me, but more importantly than just talking highs and lows, I guess, you know, what you learned from each of the, all of those experiences. You know, I've, I mean, I, my lows, you know, I wouldn't say that was just one singular event, you know, maybe an Ironman I didn't finish, I didn't finish uh, several ones uh, towards the end of my career. I had this period of time um, before I actually started working here at Campus Source, you know, in the last three years where I was injured all the time. I, I, I couldn't get rid of this one injury. It was the same all the time. I flew over, all over the world to to figure out, to see, you know, I, to see the best people um, in the US, in Australia. And, and they all taught me something different, but nobody could really figure it out and this was kind of a low for me but also a big learning curve for sure you know like not just learning from and that what makes or you know gives us sport mostly i think you know to to overcome obstacles you know and and keep going and and try new ways um a certain you know mental uh, toughness i think we get out of it you know like bouncing back from from the setbacks it's still so helpful, you know, because this is even being in the corporate world now for almost eight years. I mean, and building up a, a sports complex like I did, I had so many setbacks. And when I started working here, I had, to be honest, 
I mean, I had a, an education, I had a master's degree, but I had not a clue how do I, what I'm actually going to do. You know, they just <laughs> gave this project to me, a 70 million US dollar project. I'm like, okay, yeah, I mean, I give it a try, you know, and just to go all in and, and, and just knowing that, you know, you've got the discipline, you've got the, how do you say in English, the perseverance or perseverance and perseverance, yeah. Yeah, yeah. perseverance and that you get through it, you know, in a way. And then concentrating on, on the process, you know, was a big thing for me too, mm-hmm. because what I learned in all the years, you know, I mean, of course I had a, the goal to open up the whole thing in, in 2019, but I had a three year period it was all about the process to get there. So we started from zero. There was a, a green field, you know, and so just like all the people who worked there, you know, I had to do all the, um, how do you say, the employment and then getting the business case together. It was a big, big process. And seeing that, you know, coming all together is so similar to to going for for a big race, you know, and, and training for it. And there's so many other things that relate to to the corporate world from sports, you know, that helped me a lot. Mm. Also, just being fit in general, and I still train quite a bit, I think helps me because, you know, getting my, my sleep uh, right, getting uh, routines and, and show up. I know when I'm here, I'm going to perform, you know, it's a bit like, like training, you know, you're going to show up and you concentrate on your work and it's a, a bit the same as well. You can't, you know, go all in all day. You need your 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 time where you take a little bit off, and then that you can give more another time. All these things, you know, um, relate so so well to to this world I'm in now. That's so well said, mate. That's really cool. And I, I'm still stuck on the here's seventy million dollars in a grass field. <laughs> Make something yeah. happen. And, and, and you basically you've just like you said, you just retired as an athlete. You have a lot of lessons and learnings from being a world class athlete and um, and a lot of setbacks. But you, you, I remember you completing your master's degree, um, and then there you were. It was like it's one of those things where. Sometimes it's like careful what you wish for. It's like, oh, I want to do this. And then, okay, here you are. <laughs> oh, crap. Now <laughs> I have to do this now. And so just dealing with that um, pressure, or as they say, pressure is a privilege. You know, it's like, okay, here I am. And I think the way you just described all of that, the way that you you transitioned from sport to work, but you brought a lot of the tools and tactics that you learned from sport into the workplace as as a whole, when you look at that transition, you know, retiring from sport, and I know you battled for several years with hamstring injuries and all sorts of things. Um, what was that whole transition like for you? Finally, going okay, was it? Did did they reach out to you with this opportunity for uh, Campus Circe, or was it? You know, was there any time off in between? I starting being in a consulting role in. I think it was 2015, which was my last uh, year I raced. Mm-hmm. Um, also because I got the job the year after. So I was in a consulting role for the project. So I knew about it and I grew up. I mean, Nicole and I just built our house uh, 10K away from here, like six miles away from here. And so I knew about the projects. And the funny thing is I, I used to train in 
uh, at Campus Sursi when I was 15 years old already because they, they had this really old shitty pool here, like a 40-year-old pool, you know. But I got <laughs> the, the guy who, who looked after it, he gave me the key keys at that time so I could enter it because it was a private pool at that I time. I you used to do that, actually. Yeah, and you know, there were some of the best athletes training in that pool because Maka was in there, Joanna King, Christoph yeah. Mauck, and, um, you know, some of the best athletes. Sometimes I tell, still tell this story, you know. We've got the big event hall now there, you know. We, we yeah. tore the whole thing uh, down a few years ago, but there's so much history in that little little pool there, you know. And, I mean, I loved it, you know. But yeah, so this was a, um, where were we? I um, forgot where I'm we were. I'm just about transitioning from, from. Yeah. You know, yeah. So life. the yeah. transition ran really well because, um, because of one reason, I think, you know, because I was injured for three years. So it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. I love to train, you know, I, I'm yeah. always, yeah. Mo- you know me, you know me better <laughs> than a lot of people. And, I kind of, you know, it took so much energy out of me being injured and you're in pain a lot. You know, I couldn't train or run properly anymore for over three years and, and still train with bread, you know, and, and you know what that means, you know, and then working through pain. So I knew, you know, and you, you get a bit of, you know, you get, um, how do you say you a bit scared, how to survive the next years, you know, your existence and everything, you know, your financial existence. And so it was not a really good place to be in. And then this, uh, the guy, uh, the director at that time, he called me up one day and goes like, um, hey, are you interested to take over the whole project from 2016 onwards? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, this is uh, probably one of the, if not the biggest chance I get in my, my life, you know, to start from, you know, normally you, after a career in sports, you go, back to to bottom more or less and maybe maybe one step up yeah exactly and and he goes i I can't say no you know i was like okay i'm gonna at least try it you know and so i had to go into an assessment with three other candidates and you get tested on all different kind of things you know and i got the job at the end and it's all started from there but you know it's at the end you know I think I was open enough to always go and ask other people's, uh, other people, which, you know, because I didn't have all the knowledge of, of course, you know, and, and I had a good team around already here at campus. The, they were already there and we were in the construction industry. So the construction itself was not a, uh, we had more than enough good people around me. And, but in general, I I went really well with always going to other people and ask them for advice, you know, and not being shy to do that and not thinking you know it all by yourself, you know. Mm. Uh, even with having degrees and everything, it's such a different ballpark, you know, to, to actually do real work, you know. I mean, you can have the, the best education and everything, but actually doing the work, building something up, and then having people at the end, which was, that was the biggest change for me, you know, suddenly I was in charge for so many people, you know, and uh, their existence uh, behind it. And that was the biggest change for me. And and nowadays I'm uh, in the executive board of the entire company. So we've got, you know, I make this like together with, uh, for other, uh, for other people in the executive board, I make decisions for for 300 people and that's a, a responsibility you have you know 
um, mm. you have to kind of grow into it. You know, I, I it would not have been possible eight years ago, but um, I just worked my way through it and, and was able to learn a lot or, you know, always interested to learn, which was a big, big part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just grew and grew and, and got more opportunities, you know, and ended up where I am now. I love that. I love when you were talking about, you know, the feedback and advice. And it was when I was uh, building any question, you know, the tech company with, with Ed Baker. And one of the first things he told me, uh, he's like, Greg, you always reach out to people for feedback and advice. Yeah. And it's amazing how many people want to help if you ask for feedback oh, and advice. Yeah. Yeah. But if you ask just for help, they won't help you. But if you say, oh, I just want a bit of feedback and advice. And uh, and it was always, and so people are going to be going, oh, I get emails from Greg now. Um, but yeah, a lot, I, I'll say, can you just give me some feedback and advice on this? And uh, and it's amazing. People want to help if you ask the right yeah. way, I guess is my point. Um, and I so- did the, yeah, I did the same thing as an athlete. You know, you remember probably, you know, Crowey was a, Craig Alexander was a mentor of mine for a little bit. You know, I always had I had you around, Norman, Timo. I had all these great athletes around, McCormack, you know. And I always asked them for advice, you know, and, and tried to learn from them and, you know, making the best out of it, you know, with my abilities at the end. But yeah. just that we did the same thing, didn't we, at the end, you know, like just asking people and that's what I do now. And yeah. keep the learning going, like you said, as yeah. well. It's like yeah. staying curious and keep learning. Yeah. I love that, mate. And so, you know, what's next? You've been with Campus Circe for, what is that, seven, eight years. You've built it. Obviously, it's pretty successful from what I can understand. Um, you know, is it continue on that path? Uh, what, do you, what do you got next on the horizon? Well, I, I'm still going to work here, hopefully, <laughs> the next <laughs> few years. And I've still got a, a lot of goals still I want to achieve, you know, with the arena and mm-hmm. um, financial goals we still have to achieve. And um, also to build it, the name up as a sports competence center in Switzerland, you know, there's still mm-hmm. a few things I want to do. But also I've got a few other projects on the side, you know, I'm going to um, work a little bit le- like one day less um, starting summer, like August this year. And then I got a, a mandate, you know, as a, a sub project manager at the in-hub um, in the Engadin Valley, which is uh, close to... What did to you say, the what hub? The innovation hub. It's called, it's the the name of it is in-hub, you know, just, huh. it, yeah. So, but it's short for for innovation hub and yeah so i'm going to be in charge there for our as a sub project manager for the own peak performance center they're going to build up there you know a big project um on has to to build or create one of uh or the world's most advanced training center for endurance athletes so it's going to be an amazing project yeah so i get super excited about that one and And that's up in st moritz you said yeah, it's just um, a few k's uh, down the road from St. Moritz, you know. So it's with you and your really, really Swiss, you and Olivia Bernhard, who, you know, I've got to get Olivia on the show, by the way, when you talk to him next, say, Greg, Greg's still Yeah, on. I will tell him. I actually told him two days ago that I'm going to be on your show and uh, <laughs> if it's okay if I, I, uh, if I actually, you know, talk about the, the project yeah. there, but... It's all public now. The website of the innovation of the InHub is 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 there. You know, you can look it up. What's the website if people want to go to it? What's it called? Do you know it? 
inhub.ch. CH, inhub.ch. Interesting. I'm going to go check it out. And your role there, because you've done Campus Circe now, you're the one that they go to to say, hey, what do we need, right? Exactly. So it's more or less the same thing I did here, just a bit more in a high performance sector. You know, I mean, Campus mm-hmm. Ursi, the sports complex here, is uh, is is mostly for younger swimmers and you know right. different, less endurance sports. Uh, like, uh, I mean, triathlon as well, but not at the highest performance um, in the highest performance area. And this is going to be at altitude, which is going to make it very different as well. And it's going to be much more sports science related than campus sources. So this is going to be the main focus. Um, there's people involved like uh, Olaf, uh, coach of um, uh, Christian and, and Gustav, uh, who was on your podcast before. Mm-hmm. And former runners, Dave and uh, Ritzenheim, who is a coach for own. Mm-hmm. Um, people like so really you know interesting people and i think that's why i get so excited about it to yeah. to have this environment of of people who you know were really good in 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 their fields and the two own founders are in the project uh, so i get a new network i learn that's it's about learning again isn't it you know mm-hmm. i i'm gonna have different things um i have to do there and yeah Get new skills for sure and learning. Um, You're going to learn a lot when yeah. being around all those sports scientists guys. Um, there's so yeah, much there. Yeah. And, then, and yeah. that's just an evolving field still, right? I mean, it's like this. I'm just thinking peak performance, same Maritz, you know, having amazing, uh, you know, recovery rooms and all sorts of things where you can come down from altitude and hot and cold therapy and Oh man! So many things you can do nowadays, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, so yeah, it's a playing cool. field, isn't it? You know, yeah. and and there's going to be a lot of state of the art technology in there, and and yeah. yeah, I'm just super stoked, you know, because I think this yeah. is, yeah, this is going to keep me busy beside of the job here, that's for sure. But yeah, so that's what we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna do the next two years for sure, and then. We also founded Nicole and I together with two partners. We founded. Um, we talked about it quickly, you know, outside of the podcast. We we're gonna be live very soon with a longevity company called One Life My Life. So we're gonna be have our website um, out there towards end of February. So I'm getting really excited about that one as well. It's a little project of ours. Oh, by the way, you didn't tell me the name the other day, but. One life, my life. I yeah, love. yeah, really cool. Yeah, yeah longevity yeah. space. And you, where are you going to plan? Is that going to be up in San Maritz as well? Where you think it hasn't go? got. We, we we don't have a clinic to start with, so it's going to be. You know, we're going to meet the, our customers uh, in different places. You know, we're going to choose them. Um, Mm-hmm. you know wherever they're coming from or if you have to go somewhere you know we're going to keep that open but long you know long-term thinking this could be an option for sure but not at the beginning because this is also something we do beside you know so we can't be yeah. at the i can't be in St. moritz for that and, and have like working here so this is important you know and still my main job is doing my job here at campus seriously <laughs> it's, going on, mate? Yeah. i love when i ask people what's next yeah. and you're like well i've still got campus Cersei full-time and then i've got this uh in-hub <laughs> performance lab i'm going to build in San Maritz. oh and then i've started my own company with, with nico where we're we going to have a, a longevity company called one life my life i bloody hell <laughs> 
It's like training, isn't it? I have to keep busy. So <laughs> you, do. you do. Well, you've got to yeah. do three, three businesses, not one. It's uh, yeah. that's the triathlon mentality. That's really yeah. cool. I'm, I'm excited for you. And, uh, and it, it, you know, the, like you said, the learning in each of these areas is significant. Um, and all the learning that you've had from Campus Circe to, and, and sport, you know, that you'll be able to take into these future areas is, is really cool. Are you, are you um, shifting gear a little bit? Are you following triathlon much these days? I know you and Nicole keeping fit and you did, you know, Cape Epic and, you know, other, other mountain bike events and that kind of thing. But are you, is your finger on the pulse in the triathlon world at all? Yeah, yeah, it is because we we still watch most of the races, you know. And um, I mean, there's so many races out now, and a lot of uh, a lot more coverage than there used to be. So it's yeah. kind of hard to follow sometimes. But you know, having the national training facility here of the Swiss Triathlon Federation actually follow these uh, athletes closely, like Katja Scher, for example, who did really well the last year as under 23 in the Super League. And she had a bit of a breakthrough. So I actually love to see athletes coming out of the arena and doing well. And Simon Westerman, we've got a few athletes who might do like make the Olympics, you know, and, but still, I, I love the sport, man. I just love to follow the sport and all the equipment and everything, um, following the athletes on their YouTube channels, listening to podcasts. I love it. I always loved the sport and still do, you know. And not that I I would like to do a triathlon uh, in the near future, future as an age group. That's why I do all these uh, slower, long-distance, multi-stage races where I don't need to, to go really fast anymore. But... Yeah, I, I follow follow it all really. Yeah, all, um, yeah. That's so cool. Well, have you noticed any? Um, you know, you retired around about the same time I did. It's almost ten years ago. Can you believe it? Um, have you noticed any th- sort of big changes or things that are kind of, you know, different, particularly interesting or con- even concerning in the sport, or have you just noticed it progress? Well, the progress is amazing. You know, I mean, I look, you look at Lucy Charles finishing time. I looked it up. It was the same time when I finished in the top eight in Hawaii. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing a little bit, is it? But, you know, I, you know, there's so many, I think the material really changed a lot. I mean, and not only material, maybe also the way they sit on the bikes, you know, aerodynamics in general. If you mm. look at the positions we used to ride and with our arms down and all the details, I mean, you know, I, I think I went to the wind tunnel maybe once at the end of my career, you know, and that was about it, you know. So there was not much time we invested into into aerodynamics at that time or not never as much as they do now. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the shoes and I still think, you know, they have a, a big impact uh, more on on the, uh, I would say the muscle fatigue, you know, I saw yes. it, I saw it with Nicole when she ran her marathon a few weeks ago with uh, only six weeks of training and, and actually her longest run was maybe two hours. And I, I thought she's going to break, um, her muscles are going to break after a certain time or after a certain distance. But so she put the, the carbon juice on the own carbon juice and she 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 didn't break her muscles didn't break and this was i think wouldn't have been 
possible a few years ago with with normal shoes you know that's what i think i think that's where the big difference is i'm i have not a clue if they make you any faster with with the spring effect or something like that no idea i didn't read into that but i'm 100 sure you're less fatigued at the end of a long race I think uh, I think you've nailed it. I think the fatigue part is massive, mm-hmm. but not just in the race, in the in the training. So you're able to back yeah. up. So you're able to back up and either do more miles running, or add to your bike intensity. Um, and so as a whole, you're able to yeah, yeah. you know have a little bit more, a little less stress on the entire body. Yeah. I, I do think after running in the shoes that they definitely they depending on the athlete and how you strike the ground. You know, I do think some athletes are getting the 4%. Remember the Nike was, you know, 4% or yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do think some are getting close to 4% improvements and others are probably getting 0.4% depending on how you land and how you use the yeah, shoe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The yeah. part is huge. The aerodynamics on the right. bike is huge. And the athlete's intensity and more money in the sport and more science. So I'm not, I'm not even – I don't want to cheapen the athletes by any means, by the way, but when we talk about how great the equipment is, still the most brilliant athletes um, – physical, mental, emotional. I was just, like you, I just, especially the big races, I love to tune in and just watch every little piece. And then as soon as they finish, I write them all and try and get them on the show just so I can chat because I'm a bit of a groupie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, still when Lucy and Reese write me back, yeah, Greg, we'll come back on the show. I'm always, I'm like such a fan. I'm such a groupie. I'm like, oh, Lucy's going back on the show, Laura. <laughs> isn't that cool? You know, I think that we still love the sport we did. You know, sometimes, you know, you see people and they, you can see they never enjoyed what they actually, I still think it was the biggest privilege we you know oh. i ever i ever had and i'm, I'm never i when i started working here you know in the, and I, I went into the corporate world you know i always said and even say to my people nowadays what i never did is trying to find the same emotional how do you say like benefits or the same feeling i had as an athlete you know yeah. this is something i never tried to chase because it's never even when the sport arena you know when we opened the doors you know when we had this big opening party and everything it was a very happy moment you know great moment but it was never the same as winning an ironman or you know like finishing (laughs) and 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 the cheers and everything it's just something you will never have like that anymore and you have to accept that the way it is i love how you put that I, I was talking to Hunter Kemper um, quite a few years ago now, probably. And you know, we were in this transition stage, you know, trying to figure out what to do next. And and I'm like, well, just make sure you're not searching for the same kind of passion you had and, and recognize that you got to have a career as a professional athlete and you got to chase your passion and have tremendous purpose. And you may find that again, if you're lucky, some point in your life, but recognizing exactly how you put, I got to have it though. I actually got, to chase my dreams and my passion and live a life of purpose in something that I thoroughly enjoy is really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not and, many uh, people get that, you know, no, like, and no, really, no. And, I, and you know, even with myself, with uh, looking back, not, not being, uh, you know, winning on the big stage and things like that, you know, like, like others, you know, and being a big name or anything like that, but still looking back, I would do it, exactly same way again and and i think it gave me more and even with all the struggles you know and uh it gave me more than any other job could have given me and and even 
you know, seeing all the cultures from young age, being open-minded from young age because of, of having s friends from all over the world, like from young age onwards, yeah. Yeah. it's just massive, isn't it? It's just, yeah, something I really, cool. really appreciate, you know. Laura and I laugh about that going, it's pretty cool that we could be dropped off in nearly any country in the world and find somebody we know if we were really yeah. desperate yeah. for a bed or put us yeah. up. <laughs> Maybe yeah. not with two kids in tow. I don't know. But, <laughs> but it's like yeah. it's pretty cool when you go, hey, wow, our global network is, um, you know, from Kazakhstan to, you know, Puerto Rico and South America and Brazil. Um, it's so special. It's so special, isn't it? China, I've got friends all over China now. I, yeah. You know, racing in Beijing and China. Yeah. It's like it really is, um, and I think you've said it really well, it's been just such a privilege. And then, yes, of course, you and I are groupies now. We love the sport. We love the sport. <laughs> I love watching what people are going through because I've already, I did it myself. You know, you know the, you know, <laughs> the excitement they're feeling getting ready for races and all the nervous energy. And then once you're in it and, you know, dealing with, you know, whatever is thrown at you, it's really cool. And I, I have it. another problem to talk with. Nicole loves it as well, you know, and that's a good thing, you know, because we can talk about it. And nowadays we come home from work and we talk about triathlon sometimes, you know, when there's big races coming up and we do the same with, with uh, cycling, by the way, you know, we, we're big into mountain biking and road yeah. cycling. So we've got all these conversations and, and that's actually the only thing we, we watch on TV nowadays are, are, spo are is sports, you know, and yeah. that's about it. That's when we turn the TV on. That's when cycling that's races are on, Mountain Bike World Cup or triathlons. That's about it. Bang. Yeah, ski way. races. We, we watch ski races, which is where we love ski racing. Yeah. We have tennis as well. We like the tennis. Um, I love the fact, here's, here's how much of a group you have. So Nino Schurter, right, the greatest mountain bike of all time. I would actually call him a friend and a mate. And uh, it's like, Nino Schurter? Like I'm still such a groupie. Did I did I ever tell you that I recorded a second episode with him for this podcast and it got lost? <gasps> no way. Oh, um, I thought it would be about time to bring him back up because no he won way. a few more races since you he had him on the show the last time. We recorded No. Probably eighteen months ago. Oh. Um, <laughs> big shout out to Nino. I'm so sorry, mate. So basically I sent the file, I'll take all the blame myself, so I'm not blaming anybody here, but basically I sent the file to my producer who was in Australia and he went on holidays and the file, when you send via WeTransfer, unless you change it, it's, it goes in seven days. And, and then I'd had my memory chip I kind of deleted for the next episode I was recording and so I deleted it on this end and then the WeTransfer expired and I was like, I couldn't find <laughs> Oh, no. So I had to write Nino and go... Oh, Nino, I'm so sorry. I took an hour out of your life or more. And uh, it was a really good episode too. You know ones where you go, oh, no. And it was Nino Schurter. So I've waited probably 18 months. Maybe I'll reach out to him again and <laughs> say, hey, you want, to, you want to do this again? Yeah, once he's retired, he's got a bit more time. So let's see what he's doing after <laughs> Paris. So it will be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, he's, he's also a guy who loves the sport, doesn't he? You know, and yeah. uh, it kept him in the sport for such a long time. Um, we, when we go and watch the, the World Cup, Mumbai World Cup in Lancer Hyde every year. We just love, we do it since years we go up there. And I think it's one of the greatest sports events. Oh, it's so cool. Um, ever, you know. There a few years ago, uh, that was so cool. Are you friends with Nino? Do you know Nino? No, no. Oh, I have to connect no. you guys. 
<laughs> no, well, probably, guys- probably not a good idea to go mountain biking with him. We were we were a bit slower at the Cape Epic, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but you should meet him. You're in the same sort of world there. Um, very cool. Well, let's finish up. Final four questions. Um, first one: What would you tell your 18 year old self? 18 year. Uh, I would say don't always try to please everyone. I think I was always somebody who, who tried to, to please everyone around me and not sometimes looking after myself. You know, you know that's, that's what I think. No, I, I, like w- I would tell. I uh, like that. Good, good, good one to be able to tell yourself. <laughs> I think uh, Laura could resonate with that one too. <laughs> All right. Three people you'd want to have dinner with, non-family. They can be living or dead. I knew this question is coming up because I listen to your podcast all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we made kind of a game out of it. Nicole and I, we always come up with <laughs> names and the names are actually different every second week. Yes, you bring up yes, and you, I said, Oh, actually that was a good one. I would take that one as well. <laughs> no, so today I would take Steve Prefontaine for his Ooh. mindset. Yeah. I would say then Trevor Noah to have a bit of fun. Yeah. And just because I love South Africa and he's got a few, you know, he's got a bit of history and, um, yeah, and coming from South Africa. Yeah. And then, you know, my dad was always, and, and I had a bit of a influence uh, on me. He was, he was always a big fan of Shaolin, you know, and, and I always said, I, I don't know, since my childhood and probably because of my dad, I always wanted to, to go to the Shaolin um, monarchy or how do you say, the monastery, not monarchy, yeah, yeah, the monastery, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I would love to actually sit together with a, a Shaolin monk, you know, not a particular that, one, just a Shaolin monk. That yeah. is so... <laughs> <laughs> that is so left field. I, I, love it. I love that, mate. You know, everybody else comes on and says Arnie and The Rock and, you know, Obama gets dropped all the time, but you've gone for a Charlene Monk. I love it. <laughs> That's cool, buddy. All right. Where do you see yourself in five years then after we've sort of talked about what's next? Mate, you've got plenty on your plate. Five years' time. Five years is a long time, yeah. I mean, you know, still, you know, Maybe still here, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. And with all the projects, you know, uh, I have on the side now, maybe I'm, there's a, a different way we, I go, you know. If, you know, I still think being an athlete for, for such a long time and being your own boss, and I still would love to have my own company. It's still something I want to achieve in my life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, who knows, you know, if the longevity company is going well in a few years. You know, it's so many different ways this could go and, and I'm privileged to have so many options and have, a, you know, a great working place right now. So it's not like I need anything else, you know, this is just awesome what I can do here. Mm. So, yeah. It's a, Lean oh, into all of them. Yeah. Lean in and see where right. they take you, right? And stay That's open to opportunity. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, everybody, it's like I listen to you and – what I love about it is you're recognizing opportunity. You know, some people, <laughs> oh, I didn't, I'm, I didn't get any opportunity. Well, it was there. You just didn't lean into it and give it a, and give it a decent oh, yeah. go. Take your chances. Yeah. 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 Take your chances. And with you and yeah. Nicole together, I think you guys would be a, a real powerhouse duo in, in a company together. You, you work so well together in sport and in life. Um, I think you guys would be successful in whatever you decide you really want to do. <laughs> really cool. Yeah. 
All right, well, let's finish it with this last one. It's not meant to be morbid. It's meant to be exciting. Um, but how would you use the remaining your remaining days if you had six months to live and you, and you were healthy for those six months, but you were given, hey, you got six months. How would you do it? What would you do? I think I would sell everything that is, you know, material mostly. I mean, the house, then, you know, mobile, you know, maybe not the bikes. The bikes I would take with me. It's probably yeah. the only thing I will keep, you know, because. <laughs> so, but then probably traveling the world with Nicole and seeing all my friends, you know, and spending most of the time with Nicole. But then, you know, when I look back, uh, you know, the, the happiest times and, you know, if I look back at our news at time and we spend a lot of time together there as well and doing yeah. the, the Sunday afternoon ocean swims and then yeah. sit together, have the barbecues, just going around the world and, and, and see people. And like we said the other week, you know, we have to spend more time talking to friends if they're not, you know, even if they're far away and, uh, get in contact again and that's what I would do and go and see the people you know you you had the best time of your life and yeah make it a good one all right well then you you, you better go do it mate <laughs> let's, let's action let's go no that's cool buddy i love that Let, let's finish up with uh some rapid fire you want to do that yeah all right favorite cheap meal Mm-hmm. Bread. Bread? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm proper, Swiss. I'm Swiss. Yeah, you get the proper good Swiss heavy duty oh, bread. I love Swiss bread, man. It's yeah. the best. <laughs> coffee or tea? Big time coffee. <laughs> I know. Our espresso machine gets destroyed when you come yeah. in the stable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got a really good machine nowadays. I love it. All right. Favorite training location? Boulder. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nusa is close, but Nusa is getting a bit too dangerous, I guess, on the road. Yeah, but yeah, Boulder road. as a trial. Mountain biking, a hundred or a thousand percent for Stellenbosch, South Africa, which oh, is really? absolutely mind-blowing mountain biking. Better than better than Switzerland, even. Oh yeah, yeah. Single oh. trials on end, good weather. Oh, it's just the best. Stellenbosch, yeah. good to know. Good to yeah. know. I've got Conrad Stoltz coming on the show in the next couple of weeks. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he builds he it. builds the trials, so it's actually he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's the trial builder down there. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, very cool. Um, all right. Two most used apps on your phone? WhatsApp and Aura Ring. Aura Ring. Yeah, I like it. All right. Um, even though I, I'm, I'm more of a whip, whip man these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's a big one for you, actually. I wonder what you're going to pick, mountains or beaches? A few years ago, I would have said beaches, you know, living in Australia and everything. But nowadays, mountains. <laughs> I don't know when it changed, but I, I think a, a lot of things we do, Nicole and I, are not we can do in the mountains, you know, and yeah. mostly mountain biking. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I can't surf. I'm not going to do big ocean swims anymore, small ones. Mm-hmm. I'm scared of sharks. So, yeah, mountains. Yeah. I get it. It changes all the time. It's like once we had little kids, the beaches became, that's an easy playground for kids. Little. Yeah, yeah. And then when we get older, maybe we'll go back to the mountains okay. again, come over and stay with you guys. <laughs> um, all right. 
What's one book that you would gift to a friend? I give a lot of books to friends. I read, I would say, a book every two weeks nowadays. Are you or are you reading them? No, I'm reading them. I heard you're always listening to them and I had to laugh, you know, because I know you so well. <laughs> you're, you're better at all your books than reading. No, no, I read them, but... <laughs> Five times the speed, I can listen to them. Or whatever I've got the podcast I can listen to, but then I, I love to have an actual book. And Is it a book? Yeah, brief will be the one I will give to people at the moment. I think it is just mind blowing. It changed my life. I mean, entirely the way I brief, you know, and it's um, brief from James Nestor. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got brief. I actually have that in a physical. That's probably why, why yeah. I've never all of it. And, it. Yeah, I just changed, changed a lot in, you know, the way I sleep and everything changed yeah, yeah, yeah. through that book. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. All right. Do you want to give me one more? Because I'm, I'm going to write, I need another one. I uh, read Peter Atia, you know, Outlive was, a, I think, a good one. Uh, if you, one. Yeah. yeah, I think that one is, is and, and it also has a lot to do with the company we build up because I'm really interested in the, in, in the topics he talks about yeah. there and, and in, gen, in health in general. Yes. So I think it's a, it's also a book that can change your entire life, you know, if you, you yeah. start doing things uh, that's in there yeah so that would be my second one and it would change in two weeks i can tell you yeah (laughs) (laughs) i love it i'll share you my audible uh list of books my favorite books it's uh it's funny my a lot of mine like you said a lot of mine were tech and business the last few years changing a little bit the last three to four months you know um arnold is a huge you know arnold on netflix was one of my favorite shows so i just read his book um you know, I got a bit bored um, on Netflix watching it. I don't know why. And and I heard a lot of good about it. But yeah, I kind of didn't uh, kept uh, uh, watching it, you know. Yeah, the show's going to end right now. Uh, okay. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I watched it twice. Yeah, I'm not on Netflix anymore nowadays. Yeah. I can't do it. So, I, yeah. I don't have time for Netflix. Netflix in about a year. I just listen to these books. But um, all right. Greatest movie of all time. For it gone. <laughs> Good choice. What a great, what a great movie. Yeah. Excellent movie. Um, best decade of music? Mm, 80s. Yeah. Good man. <laughs> well, Pikey, Matthias, this has been awesome, buddy. Um, Thanks really so much. Coming on and chatting. And there's so many uh, great quotable quotes in there, by the way. Very cool. Um, oh, thanks, man. Thank you. A really great yeah. job. And you're certainly inspiring me, mate. Um, really fantastic. <laughs> at least speaking. one out there you know so that's, no, that's already been... enough you know I take it man I take it you've, you've inspired me my entire career so you've been yeah. such a good job buddy well yeah. you know thanks for coming on the show truly appreciate it oh, thanks you. for having me huh? yeah cool. appreciate yeah. you and for everybody listening you can find all the show notes at bennettendurance.com forward slash media alright stay on the line buddy cheers bye